Amen. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm going to do it. Who's that? Who's that? Okay. My small group member over there, Denise, I call her Deb sometime. But uh, I think Deb just fits better than Denise. And she told me, she said, oh, yeah, I'm going to be loud. You can, you, can call, you can call my name. And so and I see some other people here from my small group, you know, and, and uh, thank you guys for uh, being here this morning. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to uh, share God's word with you. Um, this is a wonderful, wonderful church. Uh, not perfect. You know, no one's perfect. If you ever find a perfect place, get out of it because it's probably a, a cult. Um, you know, we all have flaws, we all have issues, um, and, um, uh, but there's no place like uh, this place is because this is where God has placed you. And this place is perfect for you because this is where God has assigned you and me. And um, uh, again, um, I, I think it's just great. Our staff is second to none. Our pastors are, the, I mean, I've had the opportunity to work with them. Uh, you have just wonderful pastors, and, uh, and they, they need our prayers. They need our support. Um, and, uh, and sometimes when you find yourself complaining, um, just ask God to forgive you and pray. Amen. Um, complaining never changed anything, but, but, but prayer changes everything. And, and uh, so... You know, the first service pastor, Jason, introduced me and he said, yeah, and he, and he can kick your butt. And I'm like, I'm, I'm trained in, in, with a unique set of skills. Remember that movie, uh, Taken, you know, and, and it's true, I am. And, uh, but uh, <laughs> but if, uh, if, if, if anybody, now look, this is a Pentecostal church and we say amen and hallelujah and we, 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 we encourage the preacher. And, you know, if anybody get any strange ideas and rush the stage, you don't want to do that. Um, because uh, I can I have a little friend, and uh, his name is Mike Lasoli, and I don't know. If <laughs> oh, there he is, right there. <laughs> Y'all thought I was talking about my other little friend, but uh, no. But anyway, it's uh, some of you caught that. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, it's a it's a it's an honor to to uh, to be here. And I'll say one other thing about this this ministry. It is so unique. It is so blessed to be here with people from 50 some odd nations. And we have every ethnicity and language and culture. Um, and it is a testament that you can be of a different ethnicity. You could be of a different color, a different culture, but have the same values. And that's what really matters. It's like a bouquet of flowers. And when you have a pretty bouquet of flowers together, it is it is to God's glory when we look at this 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 wonderful array of of people. And but let me say this in order to make sure that this stays, uh, it keeps its integrity. You have to protect it. You, you have to protect the unity of the faith. You have to protect the unity of your church. And the best way to protect the unity is through prayer. It just doesn't happen. This just didn't happen. This was birthed by many men and women who labored in prayer. Um, and so when you come to this place and when you, when you talk about your church or you brag on your church or you speak well of your church, um, it, it, remember, it's, it's a, it was birthed by, by men and women who prayed and who 
need our prayers so this can continue until Jesus comes. Whether it's next week or next year or ten years. Amen? Amen. So, um, if you have your Bibles this morning or your smart devices, would you please turn to Proverbs uh, 25 and 4 and then hold that and go over to 1 Peter 1 through 7 and and of course, as always, if you don't have either or if your vision is kind of off, you can always look up here and uh, I'm quite sure the scriptures will be on the screen. Amen. Amen. Uh, so Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs 25 and 4 says, remove the impurities from silver and the sterling will be ready for the silversmith. And in the King James, that same verse says, take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Peter writes, he says, these trials show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And if the thought I'd have this morning is simply in the refiner's hands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We cannot thank you enough for your goodness, for your grace, for your kindness. Thank you for, again, Lord, the, the freedom and liberty to come together. Uh, we don't have to hide. We don't have to run. We can come and worship openly. And, and thank you for your word, which is truly a, a light and a lamp. And thank you for your word being true and tested and found to be pure. Now, Lord, we pray that the hearers be edified and you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. And so um, two words that I'd like to just look at briefly out of, the, out of particularly um, Proverbs um, is dross and refiner. And dross is described as a couple of things. Number one, it's the, it's the scum that, that forms on the surface of, sur surface of molten metal when it's heated or waste or impurities. It's also looked at as something that is trivial or inferior. And so when we're talking about in the natural sense, yeah, it's these impurities that, that, that come to the top. And sometimes when we talk about it in the spiritual sense, it doesn't always, always refer to sin. It can, but not always. And the finer or the refiner in Hebraic terms is uh, saraf. It means to fuse or refine uh, literally or figuratively. It means... Uh, a goldsmith or a silversmith, it means someone who is a tester. So the word finer is a verb meaning to refine or to test. This word describes the purifying process of a refiner who heats metal and takes away the dross and is left with a pure substance. This word refers to a tradesman, as I said, a goldsmith or a silversmith who does the refining work. This word is also used to speak of the word of God that is described as pure and refined. And when applied to people, this word refer refers to the purifying effects of something that none of us really like. And it's called those external trials. And the person who does this, amen, is a person who has great skill. And none other than, we're talking of none other than the Lord himself who is the great refiner. 
Psalms 66 and 10, the psalmist says, you have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. In Psalms 105, 19, he says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. And that's in the uh, NLT. And then the King James says, until the time, and that time means season, that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. In Isaiah 48 and 10, he says, I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. Uh, That ain't a a nice word. (laughs) Nobody likes it. Doesn't feel good. As a matter of fact, as Pastor Raphael spoke last week about Joseph and he told us about, you know, the, the history of Joseph and his dreams and, and his interpersonal relationship with his father and his brothers. And God had gifted Joseph with these dreams. And Joseph being his father's favorite um, son, uh, probably around 16 years old, he kind of got full of himself. And he began to share this dream with his brother, with his brothers and his father. And. Uh, and I'm quite sure he did it in a very cocky way. You know, youth has a way of doing it sometimes, right? Youth kind of goes, yeah, like my, like my oldest daughter told me um, the other day since she graduated. She says, well, you know, I'm practically grown. And I said, well, grown folk pay rent and grown folk, you know, pay their own, you know, you know car insurance and grown folk buy their own gas and, you know. And, you know, you grown, well, be grown, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, uh, I was, we was the same way too, right? You know, you, you, we all were, particularly some of us guys, we thought, you know, we got full of ourselves. And, you know, I remember I was younger and my older brother, I, I you know, thought I was the, the new rooster. And, um, you know, he beat my butt. The most humbling experience I ever had. <laughs> but Joseph, he was full of himself. And, and, but God, nevertheless, was going to use Joseph. But he had to use Joseph at the right season. And in order for Joseph to do what God uh, destined him to do, God had to get some things out of Joseph. And it took a little while. You see, the, 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 the baker and the cupbearer forgot about Joseph, right? But... Joseph wasn't finished cooking yet. He had, to, he had some things that, that was in him that God had to get just right so that when that time came in Joseph's life, Joseph could fulfill his purpose and destiny. So many of us sometimes, God is just waiting for the right time, for the right season, right? Nothing like picking some fruit that, before it's ripened. It, it, it just, it, 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 it serves no purpose. So Joseph had to God had to get some stuff out of him. So why, a question we all ask sometimes, why would a loving God allow all kinds of unpleasant experiences to come to his children? Why does he do that? These verses and many others show us plainly that God tests us in the furnace of suffering. Life sometimes is, you know, it's hard. Sometimes we want to chalk it up to the enemy or we want to chalk it up to whatever, but it's just that simple four-letter word, life. Life happens. Jesus said in John 16, he says, and some of us are familiar with this. He said, I've told you all so that you may have peace in me. He says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. 
He says, but take heart. In some translations, it says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, in some, that, that, that translation uh, for trials and sorrow literally means you will have afflictions. You will have anguish. You will be burdened. You will be persecuted. You will have tribulation. You will have trouble. It's equal to us all. It's going to happen. It doesn't matter how good we are or how many T's we cross or I's we dot or how much we give or how much. So we, we're going to be squeezed. That word, Jesus is saying that are, there are times when you and I will be crushed. Squeezed like grapes to wine or olives to oil. There will be times when we are going to be under pressure. We're going to be broken. We're going to be agitated. Why? Because we are being transformed. God is not punishing us, but he is perfecting us. Doesn't feel good. And sometimes it is not good. But it's part of the perfecting process. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. I know rejoicing is, a, you know, you say, man, I, it's tough. But I believe that uh, it's a choice. We can choose to rejoice. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And listen, when David was saying some of his most uh, uh, quotes as some of his most famous psalms, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. David was going through some of the toughest times of his life when he said those things. It's a choice. When we, for we know, as Paul says, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with this hope. He loves us. The enemy will try to tell you otherwise. Your circumstances will try to tell you otherwise. But the truth of the matter, and God's word says, he loves us. I love my children dearly. I give my life for them. But I will tighten them up at any moment. I have, that's part of my responsibility as a loving father, to correct them. And also to prepare them for life. When I was a young man, my mother, I used to think, children, I used to think my mother was, you know. I really did. I'm telling you the truth. I really did. Because she did not play. My mother's from the West Indies. And so she always, you know, I think it's a stereotype, but she, was, she had a hot temper, you know. And, uh, and so when she came home from a, from a hard day's work and the kitchen wasn't clean, there was something not heaven to pay. And she would flip out. I mean, she would just, you know, like, and so, if so, so she would look at the dishes and if there was like a, like a grain of rice stuck in the fork, she'd make us wash all the dishes, you know, all over again, you know, just pour it. Or you go in your room and your bed wasn't made right, she no, make it over again. And I'm like, she is nuts. <laughs> and discipline, oh man, don't let me get a phone call from school. Whew, man. 
I remember one day one mother went up to school and she told the teacher, it was during a teacher-parent conference, and I hope every one of you go to your, your, your kids' uh, conferences, amen. Um, and so I remember my mother looking at, looking at me and looking at the teacher, and she said, if you have any problems out of him, you have my permission to beat him. I told you I thought she was crazy. <laughs> but as I became a man and I had children and I went through life, I experienced life, I'm so glad. And I realized one day after looking at my children, it dawned on me, I had an epiphany, that my mother wasn't crazy, that we made her crazy. <laughs> no. True story. I called my mother up and I said, I'm so sorry. I apologize. But no, what she was doing was she was preparing us for life. So that when those tough times came, that we would know how to conduct ourselves and how to take care of ourselves. So by the time I went into the military, I was ready, man. Between my, my mother and my coaches, I was good. Basic training, I gained weight. I mean, it was, it was guys were losing weight. I had, I mean, I was like, you mean I get three meals, you know, and I can, I can eat at, at 11 o'clock at night, you know, and, and I don't have to ask for permission, you know, it's like, I was, military was great, but she was preparing me, amen, and she was, she was doing what she needed to do. So, so for the first century Christians, when Peter was writing this, suffering was the rule rather than the exception. Being a Christian then and in many places now, some of you can attest, being a Christian um, could be hazardous to your health. Paul tells us that in the future we will become, but until then we must overcome. This means we will experience difficulties that help us grow. We have hope in suffering, not because we like pain or deny its tragedy, but because we know God is using life's difficulties and situations to build our character. He's using these things. He's even using Satan's attacks to build our character. Satan cannot do anything unless God gives him permission. Remember when Job, when he was walking, you know, to and fro, and he presented himself before God's throne and God said, what you up to? He said, I'm just, you know, chilling, walking around, you know. And he says, he knew what he was up to because the Bible says he, he is, he acts, he walks as a roaring lion. He is not, but he, he's like, he tries to devour people, to mislead people, deceive people. So God said, have you considered my servant, Job? In other words, he was saying, and matter of fact, God did tell him, he said, you can only go so far. Satan has limited he is a fallen angel and he's limited, but God uses his antics and his tactics and his devices to help shape our character. Peter mentions trials and suffering several times in his letters. All believers face such trials when they let their light shine in darkness. We must accept trials as part of the refining process that burns away impurities and prepares us not only to be with Christ in eternity, but to fulfill our mission here on earth. The God of all comfort uses normal, broken, ordinary people to do his bidding. 
Many times when we cry out to God in need, God hears those prayers. He burdens the hearts of his people to respond to that particular need. In doing so, the person who cried out for help is indeed helped. The person who was obedient to the burden by moving in obedience is blessed. Though it may not have been convenient, it may have required your time, effort, money, resources, yet he or she is blessed because God honored their obedience. And in doing so, God, we allow God to wring the selfishness out of us and by using us, and God is glorified. So that's why we need to be in our small groups. They're very important. I truly believe many times it's not about the topic. It's not about what the subject matter is. I believe it's about positioning ourselves so that someone else can be helped. It's not about how deep the study is, but perhaps it's about how deep our obedience is. Sometimes it's just being there. You may go, you know what, I'm not getting anything out of it, and, you know, I don't like it. But sometimes God is saying, when you just be there, just be there, just show up, interact. Somebody may need you or you may need somebody. And that brings me to this point, to my, to my the older saints, the gray hairs. Please forgive us for not really uh, coming around and surrounding you, you know. And I think that, you know, a lot of times when we go into our groups, we kind of, you know, married people go over here and the young people go over there. But I really believe that, that our small groups should have a mixture of young and old and married and single. How do you learn life? How do, how, how do you, how do you... How do, you, how do you learn life? And don't get me wrong. I get it. I, I, trust me. I, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. But you, and I've said this many times before, but when my family, when we eat, we all sit down together, young and old, and we eat together. I think it's the same way with life and the Word of God. We need to be there for the older people, and the older people have something to give, and it's called wisdom and experience. And the younger people have something to give. It's called youth and, and, and energy. And so together we do life, right? And it's not, it doesn't have to be all the time, but, you know, I grew up, my grandmother raised me for a greater part of my life. And to this day, she died in 1983, but to this very day, I think about her every day. She made a profound impact in my life. And so I think that there are grandmothers and grandfathers out here who are waiting for some of you younger people to just come alongside them. Hang out with them. Go do some coffee, whatever. But they have something to give, and you have something to give. As gold is heated, impurities float to the top that can be skimmed off. Likewise, our trials and struggles and persecutions refine and strengthen our faith, making us useful to God and to others. There's a couple of things. There's three things that, that I want to point out that, that are intended to happen during our refining process. And number one, confidence. God knows, plans, and directs our lives for the good. At times, it can be very hard to, to understand or wrap our minds around what's going on, but God always provides his love and strength for us. Remember what God told Paul after Paul asked God to remove the thorn in his flesh? He said after three requests, finally, God responded to Paul by telling him, my grace is sufficient. There are times when God tells you and I, in the middle of our pain and trials, my grace is sufficient. 
it's more than enough. Sometimes we say, God, get me out of this. God, it doesn't feel good. God, will you just please move? Will you do it now? And God is saying, my grace is sufficient. The other thing that God wants to show is perseverance. When facing grief and anger, sorrow and pain, uh, we express our grief, be it through tears, intense prayer, or confiding in our brothers and sisters in the faith, but we don't give in to bitterness and despair. It's okay to cry. As a matter of fact, sometimes it could be one of the healthiest things you can do is to cry, literally cry your tears, cry out to God. Pour your complaint out to God. Talk to him. And God does not, he's not, his, his ego is not in danger or, you know, it doesn't bother him when we go to him and go, I don't understand this. I don't get it. I, 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 I can't figure this out. He, you know, again, sometimes our concept of who he is is that he's distant and, and you know, and he's, he's kind of like aloof and, and that he's angry. And, and he's not like that at all. Anybody that came to Jesus and it was, they were in a, in a bind or they were, they were, they were conf- Jesus never, he never rebuked them. He never, he never blasted anybody. And he said, when you see me, you see the father. So, again, when we're going through our, t- our trials and our tough times and tears and we have questions, it's okay. You can go to God and you can say, hey, can you please help me? I don't get this. We hold fast to the promises of God. We bathe ourselves in prayer and meditation on his word. And we remember the times when God provided. And in everything, my brothers and sisters, give him thanks and give him praises. Second Timothy two and three, Paul exhorts Timothy by saying, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. And as you know, I was, you know, I grew up um, playing sports and I, back east and I, some, I, football was, you know, I was, I guess I was okay. And, but we had, uh, I remember my junior year going out on the field um, and we had this coach. Um, we used to have two-a-day practices in, in the summer. It was humid and hot and brutal. And this was back in 1979. And, and in those days, you know, when you had um, summer practices, the coaches, they didn't get, you know, you didn't have, like, water breaks and, and a, the misting fan. And, 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 you know, you got, like, a Dixie cup of water, and they gave you salt pills, right? You know, and, and it, was, it was brutal. I mean, it was just brutal. And I'm surprised that more people didn't just have heat stroke and fall out. And, and uh, thank God for modern technology and modern science. And we don't do things like that anymore. But I had this coach. And he was, he was the toughest man I've ever met in my life. He was an ex-Marine, uh, a Vietnam guy. And he stepped on a landmine. So he lost his left leg. And he walked with a limp. And uh, he was just brutal. And... Um, and so we would, you know, practice and, 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 and you know, you complain and, you know, you get dislocated fingers and all these types of things. And the coach would blow the whistle and he would stop practice. And, I mean, 
like I said, he was an ex-Marine, so he had a filthy mouth. I mean, it was like, <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, he would, he would berate you and, and, and you would be like, wow. And so he would say, oh, you know, you, are you, are you hurt or are you injured? And, and so guys would kind of go, and then he would say, well, look, I hurt every day. And he would show you his artificial leg and, and he, and he, and when he, they shot him twice to make sure he was dead, but he wasn't dead. And he had these two bullet wounds and he'd pull up his shirt and show you his bullet wounds. And, and so, so, you know, you look at your, at your teammate and you go, well, I guess this dislocated finger. <laughs> Got me there, coach, you know, <laughs> but he was tough and he was relentless. And we used to think that he didn't like us. We thought that he hated us. But the truth of the matter was, was that uh, when we played our opponents, we would absolutely crush them. And we would, we would, we would win like 56 to 6 and, and all these types of things. And, you know, and then the next week it start all over again. But what he was, so when we won the championship, it was great. And then he would tell us, the reason why you're able to stand today is because of what you went through back then. And so what God sometimes is allowing us to do is he's going through some things and it may seem like he's distant and it may seem like he's brutal and he may seem like he's hard. But the key word is seem because he is, he's not. He's just ensuring that he wants us to finish strong. He wants us to be able to do the task at hand and the task to come. So that's why he's allowing some of these things. And that's why he's allowing us to be in this heat, to be to be to be heated up so that we can endure and so that we can get to that place that he desires us to be. And the third thing that God wants us to do is he wants us to take courage. Pastor Walt spoke on this a few weeks ago. In Deuteronomy 31, 7 through 8, Moses told Joshua, he said, be strong and courageous for you will lead these people into the land that God, that the Lord swore to their ancestors. He would give them. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. In the Hebrew, the word for courage is amats, to be alert physically or mentally. Of good courage to be steadfast, to be strong, to be established. To fortify, to harden, to increase, to prevail, to make strong. And the interesting thing about this is the word to be afraid in Hebrew is aratz. So you have amats and aratz. To dread, to be afraid, to be terrified. The words courage and fear are total opposites of each other. But both result in the mental and physical response to a given situation. I believe, like the gift of faith, each person is given a measure or portion of courage. And what we do with that measure is up to each and every individual. There are moments when we must summons our faith. We have to hold fast to it. We have to call. We have to call upon our faith. We walk out in our faith and we cling to our faith. Likewise, I believe there are moments that you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to exercise our faith. And we must do the same with courage. There are times when we have to stand fast. And what better way than to stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ when we're going through those times, when we're going through those trials? Our faith must be challenged. It will be challenged just as we have to challenge our natural muscles when we work out. Our spiritual muscles have to be challenged. 
And when we're going through the refining process, a byproduct or one of those elements that gets exposed, that needs to get skimmed off, is, the, is fear. It's the what ifs. What if this happens? Sometimes that's when Satan kind of comes along and he starts whispering in your ear, what if? What if? What if? What if? What if? And the sidekick that comes along with fear is doubt. Fear seems to deal with the physical and emotional part of our makeup. And doubt likes to attach itself to our mental and reasoning identity. Every spiritual truth, everything that we believe, our fear, our, feel, our theology, our faith, it has to have a natural application. Spiritual truths have to have a practical application. So Jesus says something like, um, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so as he was talking that day and some smart aleck cried out, well, who is my neighbor? Right? They had smart alecks back then, you know. I don't know how that translates in different languages, but they, you know, a jerk, okay. Well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus began to tell a story about the Good Samaritan, right? So, again, if we say that we love our neighbor, our neighbor is anybody who is in need. It doesn't matter what their social, economic, religion, race, it doesn't matter what it is. But if it's a person in need, it is our responsibility to help them. So, again, that spiritual truth has a practical application. Many times... Our trials do not represent the absence of God, but his very presence. He made a promise to us. He said, I would never leave you. I would never forsake you. And he means that. Again, you know, uh, I think about uh, when we're new to the faith and when we're young in the faith, we have these uh, wonderful experiences. You know, we pray for folks and they get sick and they get healed and and, and God shows up and he answers prayers. And, you know, we got the parking space, you know, you know, that we've been praying for. And it was like, wow, right in front. And I mean, it's just like, wow, you know, and then something called life happens. God takes off the training wheels. And then we begin to experience times when we're praying and it seems like our prayers aren't answered. Or we're going through something that was no fault of our own. And we go, well, why? What's going on? And then we begin to kind of waver. And then we begin to doubt. And then we begin to question. And then we kind of go, well, I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, my brothers and sisters, that God has not moved. He's right there. It's just that, just like how we teach our children how to ride the bike, sometimes God, I'm right there with my baby and she was learning how to ride the bike. I just took my hand right off and I just, I was there. So when she began to wobble, she was about to fall, I would help her. And again, as I said earlier, sometimes when we're going through that process, what God does is he puts people around you. He uses people to let you know everything is going to be all right. No one is immune from trials. They're mandatory. We all have flaws and shortcomings, impurities, you know, that require the master. We have impurities that requires the master to remove them. In doing so, his desire is that his reflection is made evident. Job, sometimes we just got to get to the point where we just say, you know what? God may kill me, but I have no other hope. Job thirteen fifteen. 
He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And in this, as we're getting ready to, to head on home, in this, what God is doing is, is that he is developing, he's desiring intimacy and fellowship. Some of us, if we didn't go through some of the things we went through, we would have never experienced the sweet intimacy of God. Some, some of the things that we went through, it was, it was rough, man. It was tough. We cried. We had moments where we were just going, I don't know what's going on. But we hung in there, and, and God walked us through it. And, and, and it, you may have gotten up early in the morning and prayed like never before. You may have walked the floor. You may have fasted. You may have done things. And in that, what God was doing was he was bringing you closer to him. He was revealing more of his character. You know now that he is a provider. You know that he is a, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If it were not for those trials and those tests, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have gotten to that place. It's a poem that I once read not too long ago, and it said, God laid upon my back a grievous load, a heavy cross to bear along the road. I staggered on, and lo, one weary day, an angry lion sprang across my way. I prayed to God, and swift at his command, the cross became a weapon in my hand. It slew my raging enemy, and then became a cross upon my back again. I reached a desert. Oh, the burning track I persevered, the cross upon my back. No shade was there, and in the cruel sun I sank at last and thought my days were done. But lo, the Lord works many a blessed surprise. The cross became a tree before my eyes. I slept, I woke to feel the strength of ten. I found the cross upon my back again. And thus through all my days from then to this, the cross, my burden, has become my bliss. Nor ever shall I lay the burden down, for God someday will make the cross a crown. And that's by Amos R. Wells. Would you please stand to your feet? Peter said that these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as a fire tests and purifies gold. And he says again, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, some of us today, and, I, and thank God for being here, you made it. Some, you came, it was by way of invitation, and you said, okay, I'll come along, and, and you know, you're here. Some of you are here because you said, you know what, I, I, I have to make it to God's house. I gotta get here. I, I, I need I need to be in the presence of believers. And some of you are, are here and you're out of fellowship with Jesus. And what Jesus desires is to restore or to have that fellowship with you. And some of you are here because the trial, the heat, the, 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 the testing has brought you to a place where you're saying... I think I need to go to church. If that's you, you are in the right place. 
this this altar this it's a place of victory it's a place of 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 refreshing it's a place where you can come and you can kneel you can cry you can lift hands people will pray with you you can pray by yourself but it is a it is a place of security it is a place of comfort it is also the place where Christ says I'll meet you there of course he can meet you out there of course driving home maybe 2 o'clock in the morning but if you're here why not why don't you come down and and and, and get in fellowship with your creator through Jesus Christ Or if you're here this morning and you're going through maybe it's your children maybe it's your marriage maybe it's your job maybe it's your health and you're feeling like man I'm 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 really I'm really in the fire and why don't you come down and so that you may receive some help so that you can receive strength and some of you are waiting for somebody else to make the first move that's okay just come nobody's going to nobody's judging you come on down so that you can get help Come on down so that you can so that you can get prayed with and prayed for. Amen. If you are in the midst of your trial, you know, I know uh, I I just this past year rough. June 12th, a year ago, I didn't technically lose my job, but I hadn't been working since June 12th a year. And it, to get into the details it, it take a little bit too much time, but let me tell you something. God began to he get, reveal some things and get some things out and put some things in and shape and mold and I went through a lot of tears, man. I went through a lot of soul searching. But I'm going to tell you something. He always provided. And I could I could sense him. Some days when I was like, I could sense him saying, I'm right here. Take courage, I'm right here. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Buck up. It's for your good. And I start work next week. I say that to simply say this. He's good. Man is he good. It didn't feel good, but man was it good for me. Cuz he proved a point that he is who he says he is. And that he is my provider. That he is my strong tower. That he is my father and my God. And he is your provider. and he is your strong tower and he is your father and he is your god he will not leave you and he will not forsake you he didn't bring you this far for you to just falter if you're down pick yourself up come on down to the altar and obtain strength wherever you are whoever you are we all have gone through tough times you're not by yourself Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, it is in the name above every name, Jesus, that we pray. And we thank you for as you are perfecting us and you are refining us. We say thank you. Have your way. 
our answer is yes, Lord, yes. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Thank you this day for those who cry out to you, Lord, bottle every tear. Strengthen and give us the courage and the perseverance and endurance we need to make it through. To your glory and to your honor, in Jesus' name, amen. If the prayer team would make your way down, and if you need prayer, you just want to talk to somebody, pray. We have a wonderful prayer team, amen? Amen. Enjoy the rest of your day.